If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. I can drink anything. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm such a lush. Oh, so good. It is good though. So let's talk about this drink first. Let's of talk all. about this. Well, first of all, hi Marlene. Hi Patrice. How are you? I'm fine. We're and all enjoying cheers. We're cheers? all enjoying cucumber yes. mint martinis, like imagined and uh, made by bartender Courtney. Bartender Courtney's rocking the house today. Well. We have, we've discovered recently, what, just a week ago, right? And I think we've gone through like a bottle and a half of this shit. <laughs> These two bottles. <laughs> These um, <laughs> Kettle One Botanicals, mm. which I feel like we should get money for this or something. But I mean, cucumber We can mint. always reach out to them. Maybe we should. I, I'll, I'll always tag say them. No. I right? actually hashtagged the first picture I posted. Oh, good. Um, so, you know, we can we can tag them on a picture. But uh, yeah, Kettle One Botanicals, there's a cucumber mint. Uh, and what did you do? You muddled actual cucumber and mint mm. leaves. Cucumber. And then gosh. what? Coated the coated the glass with vermouth, right? Well, just a dash. Roll it around. Dump it out. <laughs> dash. Roll it around. Dump it out. And then fill your chilled glass with this like cucumber mint mm. vodka that's muddled and it's uh, glorious right it is glorious and you have to have it in the right glass because i have a feeling that if it was in any other glass it just would not be the same i'm glad you recognize that because she we tested this out and she actually like schooled me on it she's like no 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 you need these martini glasses or i had something similar to martini glasses at least that were like the wide top and the the small bottom (laughs) Tiny, (laughs) tiny butt and um like, I don't know, I would have just poured it in like a solo cup. You know? Right. <laughs> it wouldn't have been as good. Would not have been. Yeah, you, feel, you feel sophisticated when you're sitting there holding a martini glass. It doesn't matter who you are, right? And like Courtney says, you can get martini glasses at Walmart for like four bucks for four, right? Yeah. So there's no excuse for not owning a martini glass. I know. And they'd even be like, I was going to tell her it was, she had a hard time finding them at Walmart and those ones were probably glass. You were talking about, I was going to say like, we could always run to the dollar store. (laughs) (laughs) High class here. (laughs) There's a dollar tree on every corner. Mm -hmm. It crossed my mind. My friend Deborah carries her own plastic one around to make her martinis. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yes, friends carrying glasses. That's <laughs> like the hot sauce. I have hot sauce yes, and hot martini sauce glass. <laughs> That's what I got you hot need. Hot sauce in my bag. We totally do that. Like we're gonna come up with our own. We've already like thought of this idea, so do not take this from us. We're gonna brand our own martini hot sauce glass package that you could put in your purse. Oh, that's amazing! Like a box travel sex. case. Yes, the Southern travel case. That's right. <laughs> Strange South. Mm-hmm. Now we okay. just need if you if you make hot sauce and you it, you don't like sell it yet, just let us know. And That's we'll right. Yeah. Please. And also, it. you know, I think we need to open up to like different kind of sponsorship. Like, 
If you have a liquor or a craft beer or something like that that you would like us to taste mm-hmm. and talk about to our friends and family who listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting bigger. Our it, friends it, group's getting yes, bigger. Our, our friend group is definitely getting bigger. With the caveat that we'd be glaringly honest, please don't send us IPAs. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No IPAs. Um, uh, and I, I was, you know, we do have that, um, my grandmother's apricot brandy recipe that we've been trying to figure out how to make. We've got to do that this summer. We have to the, try to figure out. Here's the thing. Out. Our kids get out of school. Oh my gosh, you got really excited. I love apricots. I, I'm sorry. I looked over yeah. and Courtney had crossed her hands across her chest like, <gasps> like. Okay, Yes. Yeah, she showed it to me. It's in her grandmother's My handwriting. Grandmother every year before Christmas would make her own apricot brandy. And it takes about a month to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she uses it in like her date nut cake recipes and in her different kind of uh, like Christmas baking stuff. That she, and it was like amazing. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, if your grandmother is still alive and still cooking for you like a country dinner, you like kiss her and tell her how much you love her because that is like the one thing that I miss from my grandmother. Aww. I mean, her cooking, nobody cooks like her. Nobody takes the time to do it. And she mm. would just, I mean, she would spend all days and that was like her gift to us. And like that date nut cake and the uh, coconut cake and the mm-hmm. ambrosia That's and the so apricot brandy, all of that is like my grandmother's trademark. And mm-hmm. I will never taste that deliciousness again mm. so i thought you were gonna say kiss your grandmother and then run away with her recipe cards <laughs> yes <laughs> as well or you know lock her down and make her show you because my grandmother she wrote like stuff halfway down but she never really followed the recipe it was always like went by feel mm-hmm. well that's what like uh rick bragg wrote his his mama's cookbook mm-hmm. down and we all went to the book signing because I, I don't know have i ever mentioned that i i live in his mama's house no i don't think you have. i don't know if i've ever mentioned that on the show but anyways rick, rick bragg is a pulitzer prize winning author from from around our area like and um like please don't stalk me <laughs> <laughs> we but, may uh, beat that out <laughs> we may have to bleep that but um he, uh, there's funny because there are already people like when I bought the house, there were people who had pictures of my house. There was a, um, a Northern Virginia Community College um, instructor who had done a Southern Lit course and he had pulled his car up on the ditch outside my house and taken photos of it and posted them on the Internet because this is Rick Bragg's mama's house. Right. And it, it plays a really big part in his memoir and his first, you know, his first really big book. Right. But he did a book that was all his his mama's recipes. And we did a dinner party when it came out. We all yeah. went to the book signing and then we did a dinner party and everybody made mama's recipes. But he had to sit there with her and make her tell him everything because she never wrote him. You know, she never right. wrote him down. She just did them because she knew how to do them right you know yeah that's i mean that's what my grandmother cooked three meals a day all of her life Mm -hmm. she cooked i mean it wasn't like you know get the cereal i mean she cooked and that was a full-time job oh yeah so that's why i don't do it (laughs) well nobody does it nobody has time for it anymore we have to have like the two-income family Mm because you know shit's expensive 
Well, you know, this is funny because you were saying like, we got this apricot brandy. We've got to do it. We've got to do this over the summer. The number of times since I've walked in the store this morning that we've said, we got to do that over the summer. <laughs> no. This is the way it always happens. It Our always. kids are about to get out of school next week. <laughs> we, like, and then we're grand, like, this summer's going to be amazing. And we're going to do all these things. And it's just going to end up being a total clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's going to be like, hey, you want to do that? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm too tired. My PJs. All they've done is fight all day. Yes. Yeah, you'll have the kids. The whole time. <laughs> I know. It won't be just oh, us. It'll be us and the kids. So that like, brings a whole nother. If you are, uh, if you would like to audition as a, a stay-at-home nanny for either of us, <laughs> please send us a letter. Yeah, send us your credentials and references because after the killer baby story, uh, oh god, that's right. Story, we're gonna <laughs> no. be pretty particular. All right, I take it back. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so. <laughs> Big postmortem there. The only other postmortem stuff that I have is um, if you're on our email list, please check your spam. If you haven't been getting our, you know, welcome message or every week you get a newsletter with photos and information and the recipe to what we've been drinking. Um, so if you have not had that or have not received that every week, again, check your spam box to make sure it hasn't gone to spam. And then we have a live show coming up. We did a sound check this week at um, the Peerless uh, in Anniston, Alabama. So Tuesday, May 14th at 7 p.m., Malay and I will be there doing the Strange South podcast. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll be recording it. We, you know, it's, it's sound check went a little too smoothly. Don't even. That's why I, I was not I even going to say I everything's don't even fine. Want to jinx. Everything's fine. But uh, yeah, a little nervous. So. Listen, yeah. I took pictures of all the settings. We I did. saved them we in my did. phone. I was like, so. everything has to look exactly like this and it'll be okay. Right. We may get there super early to do sound checks. Yeah, we may need to do that though. Yeah. Um but, yeah, but they are super cool there too. They're yes. just it's really nice. They've got great food. Just oh my come god, come and, and eat dinner there and then get a couple of drinks and then around seven o'clock we'll start up. Buy us and a couple of drinks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we will um we'll just do what we do here. Nothing's gonna be we're not gonna do anything fancy. We're just we're not doing anything special for no, you. <laughs> we are not. We're just going to sit there and pretend like we're in the pod basement telling our, each other stories. We may even try to avoid looking at you. <laughs> no eye contact. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, uh, the other thing with the newsletter, I tried to sign on to the newsletter uh, on Chrome. And if you continue to get an oops message and you're on Chrome, try it on Explorer because Explorer will fix you up. Explorer yes. will hook you up into the newsletter. And if you're wondering what the hell the newsletter is, you can go to our website website and you should get a pop-up box that says sign up for our newsletter and we just want to email so that you can get extra stuff that's not on our website and um again we're not assholes so we're not going to send you spam or anything crazy like that it's just you know what we've done this week and if there's anything else cool that we want our listeners you know to personally know about but so far, it's just been like weekly episodes with pictures mm -hmm. and descriptions, pictures, video links, video stuff links, like that. and all that stuff. You know, and we put some of the stuff on the website, but you know, we've mostly been saving it for the newsletter, and you know, I'm sure that will morph into something else later on mm -hmm. as we keep rolling because we are on our twentieth episode. Can you believe it? Oh my god, twentieth episode! I, know. I feel like we've been doing this for like ten years. I know we're already in burnout mode. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It's like because I've been trying to prep all of these stories at once because we've got 
today, which I didn't even finish until like an hour before I came over here because we've got the live show on Tuesday. So I'm like, oh, I got to do something good for the live show. And then um, we're going to Charleston next week and researching a story that I'm going to do about Charleston. So I already have chosen that one. So I'm I'm set with that one. And then we've got the live show, so that's going to be... So I'm like, it's not even just one show at a time this time. It's like right. trying to think of all four at once. All so the like, things. Ah. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming for sure. But the good thing is, there's like no end of resource. It's just like every time you turn around, think of a new search term, you're going to find like a billion stories. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And thank God for like uh, Kindle and the free like Amen. unlimited Kindle. Or I signed just... up for it this week. Yes. I was like, I'm just gonna do the 30 day trial bullshit. I'm not <sighs> no. gonna not. It yeah. is very very useful. The unlimited uh, ebooks thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because a lot of you know we have a university library. Luckily, so I know. like we have access to the university library and its resources that we can use. So we've got more access to some of the weird stuff than maybe everybody else does. True, but um, still, there are lots that you can't just find. Places. Right. Though and I there's those days where you're just like, I can't fucking get out of my PJs to go like Seriously. all over to the library. <laughs> they don't even have good water there. No. Um, they- <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Uh, I had uh, not much on the box fan chat update this week. Right. But, um, you know, we did enjoy uh, sitting with box fan Chad watching videos about Scientology this weekend and <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> yeah that was fun we're, so we're starting we're like we're, we're kind of trying to at least slipshod start like brunch church where you know if we don't go to church church <laughs> then we sit and talk about spiritual shit and drink mimosas so yeah it's amazing. like the, it's it is it's pretty awesome um so that was our test run on brunch church and it was all Scientology all the time so now I'm brunch obsessed church. with cults just so you know um <laughs> But uh, he did. He did clarify. I already screwed up one of his stories. <laughs> well, you know, the, if he doesn't write them down, or if he's not here, <laughs> there's no promises, right? Well, hand it over to me, and I'm going to embellish. And that's what I did. I said that there was an entire cemetery filled with Eastern Star. But there was like one. There was oh. one gravesite <laughs> with the Eastern Star on it. But it was. I have pictures that I did finally send to Patrice yes. this morning, so um, they can go out and be shared. But there were there were pennies on that. That Eastern Star grave, like I, I did say that correctly. Mm-hmm. And what you said, Courtney, that uh, it was next to a grave that had all the masonry symbols yes. on it because, you know, the Eastern Star had to be related or married to the mason. And she she didn't even have her own last name. It had her first name and it had the wife of. Mm. No way. First name and last name. So if you yeah. didn't the yeah. first name, Eliza, the wife of. Eliza, the wife of. They should have just put Alfred. Mrs. Jeffrey <laughs> douchebag or something, <laughs> right? Of Jeff. Of Jeff. Of Jeff. Lord. Uh, let's see. So there was that. He's been sending me more pictures of uh, of uh, trailers squished together. And oh, yes. So sign up for our newsletter yes. and I will put them in the newsletter this week. And he did also say, um, in case anyone was interested, that he was listening to a February um, podcast of The Moth. And they had a story in, I think it was the February 9th uh, episode of The Moth podcast that had a story about the um, Carvel Leopard Colony. Oh, wow. So if you're interested in that. And he was like, you may have known that. And I was like, I don't know shit. I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I know. I've got so many podcasts ever since we've joined um, the Lady Pod Squad. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Uh, and there's so many fabulous podcasts out there. I'm like, I've got to catch up. I just haven't had time. 
I mean, like you, I've been trying to like wrap up the semester, mm-hmm. do all the stories, a little overwhelming, and then I haven't listened to anything. So I need to rectify that. Yeah, me too. Okay. I feel like we just went on a down. It's like, oh, we're not good enough. <sighs> no, so much work. Courtney's like, you're awesome. Drink your fucking martini. <laughs> yeah, I already drank mine. Sorry. <laughs> you did. Too. I did. It's gone. It is gone. I'm sweating mm. a little. Who's first today? Me. Because remember, you're going to be first at the live show. Both live shows. I realized that too. Did you realize that? <laughs> no. That but... puts me live. That puts me first on both the live shows. So we can work. We can work out. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll compare stories. Yeah, so you just get to I was going to say I'm I'm okay with it. You have to sit and think about yeah. it up next. That's why she wants to think about it. That's why she wants to work on it. <laughs> okay, so I'm first. And my story is about Robert Johnson and the history of the crossroads. Mm. Do you know about Robert Johnson? I do not. But I feel like I heard something about the crossroads on Ono, Ross, and Kerry recently, maybe. So there's a new documentary out on... I'm already like... (laughs) There's a new documentary out on Netflix called Devil at the Crossroad, a Robert Johnson story. So Robert Johnson... I don't know if it's because I'm from Mississippi and it's a Mississippi story that I've known about it or because my husband is a musician and, of course, you know, playing in the Delta and playing around um, blues musicians and jazz musicians that, you know, we've heard about this. But I I don't remember when I didn't know about Robert Johnson. It's kind of like one of those things that I've always kind of known about. But Robert Johnson is considered one of the greatest blues artists of all times. Mm. And um, he's also to believe to have sold his soul to the devil at the Mississippi crossroads. No way. Yes. So that's like his big claim to fame. Like all the rock musicians totally credit Robert Johnson with like, you know, his blues being like one of the most influential sounds to modern day rock that there is rock and roll. Um Anyway, there's like brand new documentary out. It has fabulous animation on it. And it's about 40 minutes. It's like, it's really good. Really interesting. It's got Keith Richards up there. Who's like 210, (laughs) like talking about, and I know he sold, he sold to the devil because he's sitting there smoking and just like, you know, but he's totally giving props to Robert Johnson and Robert Johnson heavily influenced um, Eric Clapton. In Mm. fact, Eric Clapton sings one of his songs. Um, crossroads at the crossroads, right? So, a little bit about Robert Johnson. Uh, born in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, which is south of Jackson, which is uh, the capital of Mississippi, on May eighth, nineteen eleven. So, oh wow, early nineteen hundreds. His mother was married to a man who was a pretty successful carpenter and farmer to be living in poor Mississippi at that time, and this is first generation. Um, from enslaved people from, mm-hmm. you know, the Civil War. Uh, Delta has always been poor. That, that South Mississippi, that kind of Southeast Mississippi has always been very poor. It's like the poorest place in the nation, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so he, you know, he found success. He was, he was a talented carpenter and whatnot. Uh, and so that kind of made other people jealous and so he had the clan come after him Mm. and so he escaped and went to memphis so he lived in memphis and left his wife there well his wife was pretty destitute 
And so she... That sounds like a dickish move. Well, I mean, he he was going to save his life. And I think she had a bunch... I think she had like, you know, five or six children with him at the time. Well, she took up with a lumber camp worker there. And that was actually Robert's father. Oh. Um, So she had Robert and they kind of traveled because, you know, he left. She had no money. And um, so they kind of traveled around staying at different people's places and they, they traveled up into the Delta um, and settled in Robinsonville, Mississippi, which is just south of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And his mom remarried and his stepdad beat him, beat Robert, because Robert didn't want to go work in the fields. His stepdad was a sharecropper. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's really the only, um, if you didn't have skills, if you're poor, and especially, you know, uh just the people there that's the only job opportunities that they had available to him is working in the fields and robert was like this is kind of bullshit i don't want to work in the fields and so the only other way to get out of the fields was to be a musician so he would take his harmonica to the fields and he'd play for you know the workers and of course his stepdad you know said no you need to work like everybody else does and he really didn't want to do that um so it's really fuzzy. A lot of the stuff about Robert Johnson didn't come out until after his death. And then it was a lot of people coming back um, after his records were released, um, investigating and trying to figure out. So a lot of everything that we know about him is really piecemeal. It's really, there's like only two pictures of him that exist. Really? Um, huh. So there's a lot of mystery about, you know, his early days and a lot of like hearsay of like, you know, what people oral history about where he was, what he was doing, but, you know, he went to school. We, they kind of figured that, you know, he was well-educated. He went to school. His mom sent him up to Memphis. Luckily his stepdad or his, his, uh, father that was living or in Memphis, a nice biological father, but he, he's treated him like a son. Mm-hmm. And I th- we think that he educated up there and he got like a good education up in Memphis cause he would be gone for a really long time. And then he had come back, um, to Robinsonville. Um, but he finally finished school and when he did, he married a girl named Virginia Travis in 1929. He was about 18 years old. And because he had moved around so much with his mom, and I think this is kind of the, the, the overarching like thing, either subconscious or intentionally, he, he seemed to have always wanted to settle down because he never had like a childhood that was in one place that was like mother father situation. He didn't have that, you know, feeling of security at the time, always traveling. So he married this girl. Um, she got pregnant and she and the child died at childbirth. Oh, ow. however, her relatives, and this is where the myth kind of, of Robert Johnson kind of starts up. The myth goes that his relatives, believed that this was divine punishment for Robert's decision to uh, sing secular songs and to play music. So this is known as selling your soul to the devil. So they believe that he sold his soul to the devil because he's playing that, you know, juke joint music. And this is the punishment put upon that he lost his wife and child. And so after then he's kind of like, you know, I'm just going to concentrate on my music, take, you know, take me where the, you know, the money is to, Mm -hmm. you know, travel up and down the Delta. And if you've never been to the Delta, the Delta definitely has, um, 
it is bizarre uh, in the sense that in Mississippi, it's pretty flat and you've got, you know, you've got forests, but you got like clusters of forests and it's pretty open. You know, definitely when you hit the Delta, because all of a sudden you're going downhill and it's cotton fields, mm. like as far as you can see, basically to the Mississippi River. But if you look back, it is like, it's like how the earth used to be. You can tell that there's this shelf, that you're in this basin because everything is like downhill. It's like there's solid like hill going across mm. and you can tell that you just kind of went down into the earth. And it's just really bizarre. It's, it's like, you know, when you're in the Delta, as soon as you like go down that hill because mm. you're in the Delta and you can see it and you can feel it. So he's like, starting to play his harmonica um and you know he's already kind of accepted a little bit you know the guilt of like feeling like it's his fault you know but then it's not you know kind of deal so let's talk a little bit while we're talking about selling your soul to the uh the devil and the devil's music and being accused by relatives so let's talk about the church and music at the time right you know all i can think of is like last night at like (laughs) Courtney was remembering this this children's musical that we did when we were kids about Salty the Songbook. And there was this song about washing Salty's dirty pages. And I'm thinking, like, dirty fucking songbook. Like, <laughs> dirty music. The church has to come wash this dirty music out of this well, book. I was little, I'm sure that's what it meant. I bet it was. Know. I bet that's exactly what well, it was. This is the thing. And it's you really should watch this doc- documentary because... <laughs> The guy, when he's talking about this, he's like, some people ain't going to like this, what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. He's like, you know, Mississippi, Bible Belt, very religious, but you also have one generation apart from enslaved people and hoodoo, very much Mm -hmm. prevalent um, also. However, during this time, the preacher was making no money, okay? And it was because on Saturday night, the men were going to the juke joints and listening to music and buying alcohol and spending all their money. So the juke joints were making money. So on Sunday morning, it would be the preacher and then all the wives. There would be no men there. So the preacher was like, it's the devil's music that in the devil's drink that your husband is paying for. Get and out there and they, drag his sad ass back to church. They are going to hell if you do not bring them to church oh. on Sunday. So there was like the preacher putting in this mythology about the devil's music, the devil's drink that the money's going to and not the church. Oh, my God. So women went out in force and started fussing at their husbands to come to church on Sunday because otherwise you're going to hell. So this just propagated the myth. So all of this is happening at this time, right? And Johnson, you know, he accepted, you know, this phrase or description um, about his life. And he kind of abandoned wanting to settle down uh, and work on his musicianship and become like a full-time blues musician. So there in Robinsonville, he studied with... um, you know, a pretty, an older guy that was playing that was really good at blues called Sun House. And it was really funny because Sun House said that uh, Robert was competent, like on the harmonica, like he could play a decent harmonica, but he was embarrassingly bad on the guitar. 
And the guitar <laughs> is what Robert wanted to play, right? And he was also like, you know, coming up with his own songs and stuff. I mean, that's, he was just, that's, it was his passion. It's what he wanted to do. He's like, if he can't settle down and have like that stable life, then he was going to lead that life of musician. So um, he studied, you know, with Sunhouse. Sun taught him as much as he could. And then Robert traveled back down to where he was born to look for his biological father. Mm. And I don't know, I didn't read or if I read, I forgot if he ever found his biological dad. I don't think he did. But while he was down there back around the Hazelhurst area, um, he met up with um, Isaiah or Ike Zimmerman. And Ike, I really, truly believe in my very shallow research of (laughs) um, Robert Johnson, was the one to truly hone his skills Mm. because he spent like two years down in Hazelhurst and there was like a lot of supernatural uh, gossip kind of around Zimmerman around Ike because Ike liked to go out to the graveyards at midnight and practice Hmm. so for the next two years Ike and Robert would go to the graveyards around midnight and practice and a this is, again, people are talking, you know, what you doing hanging out at the graveyards at night. And, of course, hanging out at the graveyard at night, that's like a couple of miles from everybody, is a great place to practice because there's nobody to tell you to shut up, mm-hmm. that you're bugging anybody. But um, there's one thing that Zimmerman said, that Ike said. He's like, you know, the only way to learn how to play the blues is to sit on a gravestone at midnight and practice and then the Hanks would come out and teach you how to play the blues <laughs> and so again feeding into the myth there about robert johnson selling his soul in order to learn how to play <laughs> so we'll come back to this so he spent two years playing in the graveyard with ike um he remarries again uh, to a girl who's deeply religious and um I want to say that he left to kind of go play some different juke joints and stuff. And she had the baby. And when he came back and wanted to take her and the kid with them, her parents were like, no, you're playing the devil's music. Mm-hmm. She cannot go with you. And so, again, he's like, I think this was kind of the final fuck it. Because mm. I think, you know, he really loved this girl. He was um, like in reach of his settle down. And right, he was. They and they, and yeah, and then he wasn't there. Although another account said that she lost the baby and died as well. So again, this is all after he's died that people are finding this out. So it's, it's not really clear. It is clear that Robert Johnson was a lover and not a fighter. Oh. Um, so after his time there with Ike Zimmerman, um, he became a traveling musician uh, going to places to places. And one of the juke joints that he played up near Memphis, um, his old mentor, uh, Sun House, is that was his name? Mm-hmm. Came back. Sorry, I totally forgot since I said it. Um, <laughs> came back and heard him play. And Robert, who has been probably playing every single day for hours, was really good. Mm-hmm. And Ike said, I mean, not Ike, but Sun said, he said, you know, there's no way he could be that good and playing that well from just being gone for over a year, two years or so. And so, again, propagating the sold is sold. He the, must you have know, done something. Sign the line, you know, sign his name on the dotted line kind of thing. And so he's playing, played mostly in Mississippi juke joints and whatnot, although he did tour like to Chicago, Texas, New York City. 
Canada, Kentucky, and Indiana. So he did travel the circuit a bit. Um, one of the things that kind of I learned that I didn't know about, and since we've talked about hoodoo before, and it's no surprise that hoodoo was very much like, you know, it was Christianity, Baptist churches in the mm-hmm. Delta, but there's also the underlying co- uh, current of hoodoo and um and you know living side by side it wasn't like hoodoo's not the devil hoodoo is just like you know your family community doctor Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah it's one of those weird like composite religions that happens whenever like different people groups come together yes and and very much people who do believe in in hoodoo believe in that um was it polytheist the whatever um you know multiple gods Mm -hmm. not just the one god right in his songs, though, um, Robert Johnson would reference hoodoo. So he has a song called Hell, uh, Hellhound on My Trail, hmm. and he mentions hot foot powder. So oh. Hot foot powder is actually a combination of different peppers and charcoal and sulfur, and it was used to sprinkle on your doorways, and it's also a reference to the bloodhounds that the clan would release hmm. when they were chasing down, you know, when they had a lynch mob. And lynching, like, like the Delta was the number one place. Like, mm. they used to scare people saying, um, if you don't behave right, we're going to send you down to the Mississippi. You know, in Mississippi, there was a lot of lynchings going on. It was a really violent and awful place um, and scary place. So to combat that and to kind of take maybe a little bit more of empowerment, you know, he would sing these songs and he'd put, you know, the hoodoo and, and the hot powder in there and... He also, another song was like, Come in My Kitchen, which was reference to a woman's nation sack. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> kind of what you think it is? Nation sack. A nation sack. So a nation I sack. I thought men had nation sacks. No. <laughs> <laughs> a woman's nation sack, from what I've read, is kind of like a money bag that she's tied around her waist. Oh, that's not what I thought at and, all. But, hold on, hold on. But... Um, men are prohibited from touching the, her nation sack. <laughs> and if you touch her nation sack, so this whole come I on in this. my kitchen was it's Robert Johnson saying, I took the last nickel from her nation sack. Oh, so it's all about a woman's sexuality and oh. what she gives out freely and whatnot. So really oh, interesting. Shit. Yeah. So talking about, you know, her nation dirty, sack. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Obviously, he has <laughs> sold his soul to the devil. Right? And then uh, another one, Little Queen of Spades, um, describes how his lover used Mojo Bag to gain good luck in gambling. So, you know, little you know, bit of, of hoodoo, what she believed and probably practiced, you know, living in the Delta and, and whatnot. Um, he did do a song called Crossroads, and um, it's kind of funny. I just got a call from Yazoo City, which is right down where we're talking about right now. <laughs> it's because of stupid fucking telemarketers. Telemarketed from <laughs> Yazoo City knows I'm talking about Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Okay. Um, so Robert Johnson did, you know, did the Crossroads songs down at the Crossroads. I'm not going to sing it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Eric Clapton redid it. Uh, but that was about hitchhiking. It had mm. nothing to do with actually selling his soul. He's never claimed that he sold his soul to the devil um, to learn how to play music. But mm. let's talk about this myth about the crossroads for a second. 
This is going to be a long one. Sorry. Go for it, man. I'm like, I'm, I want to listen to all this music now. Ugh, we will. Um, so crossroads obviously is a place where two roads cross, um, and they form right angles. And there's very, there's something very special about that. Chad told me that he thought that the crossroads. Not Box and Chad. Not, no, my Chad. Jazz Chad. Yeah. Jazz. Jazz Chad. Yeah. Jazz <laughs> Chad. Oh, he's going to hate that. Jazzy Chad. Uh, he's going to hate that even more. Uh, <laughs> Talked about how he believed that the crossroads that Robert Johnson was supposedly sold his soul was uh, the crossroads of two railroad tracks. Mm. So anyway, but there's supposed to be two roads and the crossroad is the land between um, that belongs to no one. It's a place outside the borders of town always. And it's considered a suitable site to perform magic and rituals and casting spells because mm. you're in the outer limits. You're, you know outside of, of nowhere um it's been used for a long time and referenced for a long time in religious and folkloric um beliefs um ancient greece had markers <laughs> this is funny i had to look this word up and i'll tell you exactly what it means uh ancient greece had marker stones commemorating the god hermes um in his priapic form priapic form anyway that runs fully erect form oh so like statues of hermes fully erect were set at the crossroads um, hermes is like i love crossroads <laughs> <He does. laughs> um in india oh god here we go with me saying things the <laughs> the 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 bay rava Okay, we're just going to pretend that's what I said it right, um, which is an older version of the great god Shiva. Okay. Um, is said to guard the crossroads at the outskirts of the village. In Guatemala, there's a Mayan underworld lord called Mam. Um, Mam? Yeah. Like M A A M? M A A M. That's where, oh, ma'am. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. But, of course, this is under the Catholic saint guise of Maximum or Saint Simon. And he's depicted sitting at the crossroads in a chair just out, outside the church. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in Africa, um, like every culture there basically has its own version of cr- crossroads gods. So it's like this oh. polytheistic. I think I said Polytheistic. Right yeah polytheistic version um of like these different gods and it wasn't the devil Mm -hmm. um but because we have a monotheistic Mm -hmm. view if it's not god it's the devil basically i think that happens in oedipus like it's the crossroads where oedipus kills his father it's the crossroads outside of it's and and it's very metaphorical It's, it's very you know in in europe um especially like you know there's tales about musicians and they get like European tales are a little bit more specific that, you know, they talk about musicians and dancers and other people who want this physical dexterity selling themselves to the devil. Um, Germanic cultures, which is where Faustus comes oh. from. Um, so the whole story of Faust mm-hmm. and selling his soul to the devil, signing the dotted line, very much old Germanic, you know, clans there believed in that so this this crossroad thing is like deeply ingrained in about every culture Hmm. um and of course you know modern day talking about selling soul to the devil we have charlie daniels who did Mm -hmm. the devil came down to georgia again talking about selling your soul to play the fiddle 
Um, the Devil and Max Devlin, the 1970s Disney movie for children. No, oh, there you go. Look that I, one up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a very, again, a very popular place to perform. Oh, God, um, you devil. Oh, I'm sorry. That was also a Disney movie, wasn't it? Oh, God, you devil. Was that um, uh, 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 George Burns? George Burns. Yeah. Was that not was that not a sell in your soul? Uh, I don't remember. Shit. Oh, my God. I may have that made up. that up. Anyways, I'm just trying to legitimize. No, the, I think I think the devil appeared. I mean, if you got God, they're going to show the devil. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. George Burns is a good devil. He was George Burns was God. <laughs> Wasn't he the devil, too? He may have been. Courtney's like, no, no. I should remember talking about God. things I don't understand. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Sorry, continue. No, that's fine. Um, but you know, Crossroads again, going back to Mississippi is the place where people would perform specific hoodoo rituals to learn a skill. And what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go there and bring whatever you wanted to learn, whether it was dice, whether it was a mu- musical instrument, whether it was, you know, dancing, public speaking, whatever. And you wait at the crossroad on, on like this on three or nine specific nights or mornings right <laughs> and on the last you know when you're there waiting you may like see mysterious appearances of a series of animals show up hmm. however on your last night a big black man and this is not talking about race when they talk about black man they're talking about like a man in black and mm-hmm. they were they were referencing maybe underworld lord or something like that mm-hmm. um but it wasn't necessarily like racial african-american um and you're if you're not afraid and if you don't run away uh he will show you the proper way to use the instrument so you hand him whatever you want to learn how to play he will show it to you play it for you and then hand it back to you and then once you take it you'll you'll automatically have the gift to play oh wow that's cool so i'm like yeah the devil's cool (laughs) but it wasn't necessarily the devil because um well i'll get into that in a second so anyway apparently you know we do know that robert johnson not apparently robert johnson did work hoodoo and believed in it but he again he never claimed to use the crossroad ritual to gain the mastery the mastery of the guitar Mm -hmm. um there was a guy called Tommy Johnson who was actually a friend of Robert Johnson. Totally not related. They were friends. Tommy claimed that's what he did. Hmm. Tommy was actually a blues musician, not as famous, but he was, you know, told that he went and did this hoodoo ritual at the crossroads to get better. And so what happened was, and I think this was a European writing, a European writer, um, came in named Robert Palmer, which is funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he, uh, I don't know if he talked with the two or, or how he got this, this idea, but he kind of, he combined Tommy and Robert and he gave uh, Robert Johnson kind of the Faust persona. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he put him in this role of the tormented and tortured soul doomed to suffer the wrath of God, Hmm. Um, even though he didn't actually was not the one that did the ritual. I mean, the worst thing that, you know, Robert Johnson, he probably loved a little too much. Mm -hmm. And he like probably put his 10,000 hours in in the graveyard with his mentor to learn how to play. 
And this, like, is it Thomas Johnson, the other guy? Is that what you said? Tommy. Tommy yeah. Johnson's like, my fucking PR stunt just backfired on <laughs> he me. He did. Like, I lost everything now. They he just did. gave the devil to Robert Johnson. Hey, though, brother, where art thou? Tommy. No, they is he really? at the crossroads. No. Oh. They kill him and they take him with them when they go to record their songs. So, yeah. Tommy Johnson. I need to, let's watch that so, movie again. We're going to have to... Um, oh, brother, oh, brother, where oh, brother, are they? I haven't seen it in years I and years. I don't remember that. So, yeah, Tommy Johnson, not related to Robert Johnson, but Robert Johnson is the greatest blues player, you know, in history. So one of the things about the man in black or the black man that comes to teach you this thing um, in the religious uh, and cultural crossroads uh, folklore you know, he was not the devil. He did not ask for anything in return. He was more of a teacher and a God. So he was not like this just horrible figure that, you know, the preachers or the wives of the husbands out the juke joints mm-hmm. or that, you know, people were gossiping about in order to explain how somebody could go away for two years and come back playing like they did. Um, so he's just trying to help. Yeah, just trying to help. Johnny Cash is just trying to help you at the crossroads. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, again, this the gods in the European sense, uh, and in pretty much a lot of the sense, it was a teacher or god and the opener of the ways. Uh, but, hmm. of course, in the case of Faust, the devil collects his dues. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the death of Robert Johnson. Oh, so, in Greenwood, Mississippi, and I think the name of the juke joint was Three Forks, which is kind of interesting. Pitchforks? Yes. <laughs> so, he, uh, Robert Johnson, was supposedly having an affair with the wife of the owner. Because he loved a little too much. He loved a little too much. And he went to the bar one day, and he grabbed a bottle of whiskey. And I don't know if it was like somebody knew something, but his friend slapped the bottle out of his hands when he went to go drink it. And Robert got mad. He's like, well, yeah. man, that's a fucking $7 bottle of whiskey <laughs> that you just slapped out of my hands. And the guy's like, no, you do not need to drink that. He's like, motherfucker, I'm going to drink it. Um, and so he picked up the whiskey and he drank it. Uh-oh. And then three days later, after terrible stomach pains, oh, no. he died. Oh. And he died at the age of 27. No way. Which is, he's one of the, I think there was like two others before him, but he's like one of the first of the 27 club, which includes Janis Joplin, Jimi oh. Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, and Amy Winehouse. And so there's a whole kind of superstitious. All those people have devils. Right. And talking about how these people flamed out so early um, oh. that were so gifted. So. Oh, my God. I think they did find who poisoned him. And of course, you know, we kind of assume that it's probably the husband that yeah. poisoned him, poisoned the bottle of whiskey. And, of course, the he was never charged because Robert Johnson played the devil's music. Oh, my God. That's my story. That's a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen to some Robert Johnson now and watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And you need to watch his documentary on Netflix. Yes. It's really good. Will you put the link in the newsletter? I will totally do that. I might get the newsletter now. I signed up on the internet. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a break. I got to pee. Okay. Sounds and good. eat this cucumber because cucumbers are really, really loud. I know. I crunched <laughs> Did you see me? You neither. Some crossroads, which I know Eric Clapton. It was awesome. I love Robert Johnson, though. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know enough things. Like, I think that's... <laughs> oh, bullshit. I'm so glad. No, I'm learning things. things. That's the good thing I'm oh, saying. Well, I'm saying yeah. it as a positive. Oh, it's no. a good thing. I'm learning roll, things. Maybe. I know well, nothing. I know nothing about Or maybe roll. Mississippi. And I maybe do that's... know that Keith Richards should not still be alive. I oh, my gosh. Too, so and not that I'm an expert on Mississippi or anything, but, you know. I don't know. I like talking about Mississippi. I like listening to you talk about Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi. Mississippi. The Ioha. Ioho. Ioho. Ioha. I don't know what the fuck I said last episode. Oh my God. For all the box states. <laughs> the box states. Um, okay, so it is my turn. Yes, it is. This is a different story. Welcome to a different story. <laughs> Um, this is in a state that we haven't covered, which I actually have had. I don't think we've covered it. I've had this kind of on my radar for like months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is West Virginia really the South? But now, you know, Courtney's like, in Wikipedia, it says it's the South. <laughs> so like, and if Wikipedia says so. It's the South. I was like, if Arkansas is the South, <laughs> West Virginia is the South. Um it's funny because it's like this is a rural story, but it's um it's from like the turn of the century. So here we go. This is in uh, Greenbrier County, West Virginia, and uh, I grew up in Virginia, but like Northern Virginia. So everybody agrees that, as I've said before, I am not Southern. But um, West Virginia was you know just on the other side of me. Um, Greenbrier County is right on the state line. It's like at the foot of the Appalachians that separate Virginia from West Virginia. And so if you are anything like me and you know where all the colleges are because you had to apply to them all, um, it's, so the place where this takes place is almost due west of UVA and Charlottesville and almost due north of Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. So if you take your fingers on the map and go like, which you can't see because you're on a podcast, um, you would hit this place. Right. And it's like really rural right now. So imagine in the 1890s, it was like super duper rural and there was nothing there. There were no cities nearby. I don't think there was a major city in this county, but um, Zona Heaster Shoe was um, the is, person. Is that a name? That is her name. Okay. And she was born Zona Heaster. <clears throat> Shoe? Shoe? What's her last name too? S-H-U-E. Oh. That was her married name. Okay. Shoe was her married name. Um, so, you know, she, she, um, basically grew up around this area. It was somewhere near, uh, Lewisburg, West Mm -hmm. Virginia, but it was like in the County and it like, I looked up this a bunch of times and it's like, I think a lot of it was just like, they just referred to it as County. Right. Um, they did that back then. Yeah. I mean, and, and we still do too. I mean, people ask me where I live. I I live out in the County, (laughs) you know, I don't live in the city limits. So, um. So she lived out in the county. She grew up there. Um, She was fairly young when this new guy moved into town. And this didn't happen very often. His name was um, Estratus Stribling Shoe. Holy fuck. (laughs) Um, Where are these people from? I know, right? Uranus? People. (laughs) He said Uranus. Um, Um, and it's easy. weird because Sorry. it was like it's Estratus Stribling Shoe, but it said Estratus also Edward, who went by the name Trout. <laughs> oh my god, so that's too complicated. We're just gonna call him Trout Shoe. Trout um, Shoe, we love that. Trouts don't have shoes, but 
They should. His name is Trout Shoe. Um, so he moved into town um, from the next county over, and he started working at a blacksmith shop that was owned by James Crookshanks. And all I could think of was Crookshanks, like the cat. But right? um, uh, so he was—he's a blacksmith, so he's a pretty big dude. You know, mm-hmm. he's strong. They kind of—he was handsome. It sounds like mm-hmm. he was fairly young, strapping young lad. Right, and Arms. Um, people like. liked him because he was kind of friendly to everybody but he didn't really want to talk to everybody so he was like the perfect man he was like cordial but he just like kept to himself a little bit right and mysterious um, he was i guess he was sort of mysterious and they knew everybody knew that he had been once divorced and once widowed so everybody kind of felt bad for him like mm-hmm. he was clearly he's a good man Needed because he's woman. adorable and right. he's you know he's sad because he's lost a wife recently so little zona starts seeing him around and they kind of like she kind of visits the blacksmith shop and they kind of start seeing each other and i don't know what kind of flirting people did in the 1890s i'm sure there's a book on it somewhere show a little angle i don't know what you do but um anyway it doesn't take very long november 1896 they get married at the methodist church there and everybody thinks this is amazing, except for Zona's mom, whose mm. name is Mary Jane Heaster. She hates this guy. Um, and uh, there's not really an explanation as to why she She's hates probably him. probably getting a feeling. Huh? She's getting a feeling. Mm-hmm. She has some feelings about this guy. And she's really dead set against this marriage, but they do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And like a couple people have said, like, it sounds like maybe Zona was kind of a headstrong sort of person. Um like, she had had some stuff. She had had a child out of wedlock the year before she got married to this guy. Oh. And normally that would be, like, an ostracizing sort of event. But they kind of are, are thinking that maybe her mother was her saving grace in that and kind of kept her in the community. But everybody kind of looked at her as trouble. Right. Um. So, you know, there's that going into this, They were probably too. glad to get her married off in the community. Most likely. Right. Most likely. And there's no other reference to this child, though. So I don't know whether the child lived or whether they had it with her or what. Right. But um, so just after Christmas, 1896, this is just two months after they get married, um, Zona starts to feel ill and she's getting a lot of visits from this doctor. The local doctor is J.M. Knapp. And um, he doesn't have any like, I don't know what's wrong. He's he is. He can't figure out any biological reason why she's ill, which is not particularly uncommon, right? In the turn of the century, right. like 1896, they just like, you got lady problems. Right. It's like, hysterical. Oh, you got lady problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's also, she's been married for two months and she's young and they're like, oh, probably she's pregnant. We're just going to go with she's pregnant. Right. Um, so he checks on her for a few weeks and then the morning of January 22nd, um, 1897, which is now they've been married for three months, um, Trout goes next door to his neighbor, Martha Jones, and says, can your son Andy, who's 11 years old, can he go check on Zona this afternoon or this morning and do some chores for her because she's still kind of under the weather and um, I've got to go to work so I can't really help. And Andy's like, I got a bunch of shit to do today, so maybe later. And Trout keeps on coming, like, from the blacksmith shop, keeps on going back to their house to say, like, Andy has to go do these chores oh, for my wife. Highly suspicious. Four times during the day, he goes back and says, Andy, come on, like, oh. go do chores for my wife. It's like, if you can fucking walk back to Andy's house, you could probably walk back to your own damn house. And do your own damn chores. Exactly. All right. Um, so, uh, finally, he's free around 1 p.m., and Andy runs over to the house to say, I'm going to go help you up he goes over when he goes in he finds zona dead on the floor her eyes are wide open her feet are together her hand is resting on her stomach um he he runs like he there was an account 
there was somebody who said that they had like a firsthand like oral history from this guy mm-hmm. when he got really really old that he like recounted this and he said that he walked up and he like shook her by the shoulders and asked how she was and um and then obviously she was dead so he ran back to his mom mm-hmm. and <clears throat> his mom told him to run to the blacksmith shop before anybody else could get to the house trout had like run dead run straight back home scooped up the body weeping inconsolably mm-hmm. and um you know no one had called the doctor yet at this point right. and so uh martha told martha and andy ran off to get the doctor doc doesn't show up for an hour probably because he realizes that he's going to be the coroner and not the doctor so he's not really in a huge rush mm-hmm. i don't know about this guy anyways from some of this story i'm like i think doc may have been like you know the town drunk too right but um he's a. Uh, you know, he shows up, and by the time he gets there, Trout has put Zona on her bed. He has washed her. He has dressed her for burial in this very fancy dress that she had. It's like a high, um, a high-necked, stiff-collared dress. He's got a veil over her. He's put her favorite scarf around her neck. Um, and this is something that, like, normally the women in the town do. Right. And... Um, so it's kind of, it's very unusual, but they're like, oh, he's from out of town. And how many <laughs> wives did he have before? Two. Okay. Uh-huh. And um, so when Dr. Knapp comes in to like examine the body, he can't even, he can't do a thorough examination because Trout is inconsolably just, he'll grab onto her every time somebody gets close to her. He starts to, you know, get more agitated. Mm. And so um, because of this, Knapp just writes down the cause of death as, quote, everlasting faint oh my god God. (laughs) which i guess is natural causes (laughs) the last faint yes this is the everlasting faint which uh, which eventually he changes he changes her (laughs) he changes her cause of death eventually to childbirth on the paper but there is no evidence that there was any there was no evidence of that at all and so he did change it but it was like everlasting faint um (laughs) <laughs> and so at the funeral, Trout is no better than he was by the bedside. He is like, he won't leave her side during the viewing. You know, she's he's cradling her head in his hands. He's putting pillows on the side of her head so that she'll be comfortable. Like this, he's telling people, so my wife will be comfortable. And they're all like, oh, my God, this dude's like, oh, OK. Yeah. He's got this weird energy. He's kind of manic. So he's like jumping up and down instead of he'll go from like inconsolable weeping and wailing to jumping up and down and like walking really quickly up and down the aisles and talking to people. And so people are noticing that he's behaving weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she was buried in the Seoul Methodist Church Cemetery there. Um, her grave was actually unmarked until the late 70s. But. This story would have just ended here if it wasn't for Mary Jane Heaster. Mama hated this dude. Yes. Right? Way to go, Mama. So for this, the second that she was told of her daughter's death, the first thing out of her mouth was that devil killed her. Yep. And um, she absolutely meant it. So after the funeral, she she asked um, Trout if she could have the sheet. I or No, she tried to return to Trout the sheet that he had covered Zona with at the, at the wake. Mm-hmm. And he... Ted said he didn't want it, so she took it back, and she's like, "This thing smells odd," which I guess it would. I mean, you know, she was laid out for a bit, yeah. yeah. And so she she put it into wash, and all of her wash water turned blood red, and she was like, "This is odd." And mm. she she said she would have chalked it up to her imagination, but then the sheet turned pink and the water turned clear, and she took this as a sign mm-hmm. that something was amiss. 
Mm-hmm. But it sounds like she didn't need a sign that anything right. was amiss. Like, right. it sounds like she already thought that something really wrong had gone. Um, so after this thing happened, though, she started praying that, like, somehow she would get a sign that she would know the truth about Zona's death. Um and for four weeks, just everything went by like normal. You know, he went back to work. He's chatting with everybody. He's having normal conversations. He seems to have kind of left his grieving behind. And mom is praying every day that she can get some sign that she will understand what happened here. And then one night, Mary Jane sees her daughter again. She said, Zona comes to her when she is wide awake, she said. And she said she's in flesh and blood. She was touched her and she was cold and she was real. And she said um, there was a light in the room that didn't come from a lamp and it didn't come from outside. And she said um, Zona came to her for four nights in a row. And the story that she told was not the story that they had figured out when she died. No fainting eternally. No everlasting faint. Um, this is supposedly verbatim, and I haven't verified this, but this is supposedly verbatim from the West Virginia State Archives. Mary Jane said, she came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for supper. Mm. But she said she had plenty. And this is why I'm reading this to you, because it cracks me up. She said she had plenty and said that she had butter and apple butter, apples, and named over two or three kinds of jelly, pears and cherries and raspberry jelly. And she says, I had plenty. And she says... Don't you think that he was mad and he just took down all my nice things and packed them away and just ruined them? That's what her daughter told her. Mm-hmm. Um, she said Zona told her that um, if Zo- if Mary Jane would go to the house, that she told her where to look in the house. There's a door jam that would have blood on it and that mm-hmm. she would be able to find all the things that he wasn't happy that she made for dinner and he just chucked in. Uh, in a hole he is a meat and taters guy I yeah saying, i guess right? so he's like i want my meat and three what woman the fuck's this jam <laughs> <laughs> i just love that like she's going through this whole list of everything she yeah, had laid out on the table she's amazing like, she had plenty of shit it's fine yeah um but uh so all of this stuff happened and and mary jane later did go to the house and see blood on the door jam where zona told her in this you know vision mm-hmm. or whatever that she would see it And um, Mary Jane said on the second night that Zona came to her, she told her that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint. Mm. And um, that as she left that night, Zona turned her head all the way around on her shoulders to show her mama that her neck was broken. And um, so the next morning... Mary Jane just got herself dressed and walked down to the county prosecutor's office right. <laughs> and said, you're going to need to reopen this case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so it turns out that um, John Prester was like, he is the county prosecutor was John Prester. And he was ready to reopen this case as a homicide right. because he started asking around and there were several other people in the town that had noticed this erratic, weird ass behavior of this dude. And um, they had suspected things too, because he was behaving manic. He, he continued to say weird things in town after her funeral. People had seen bruising on her body when they were at the wake that they couldn't really account yeah, for. Yeah. And um, when she got when they moved her from the wake to the burial, there were people who saw her neck flopping in a very strange way. Oh, my God. And so Preston goes to Dr. Knapp and says, mm-hmm. can you please tell me what it was that you saw when you went to examine the body? And Knapp is like, well, I didn't really look that mm. closely. Um, he said, I can't really, I can't really tell you one way mm. or another. That guy was in the way. I didn't really push oh it. God. You know, she was obviously in a lady I would have murdered him. Right I know, right? There, right. 
so um, Preston ordered the corpse to be exhumed. And um, that was a really big deal because you yeah. don't disturb the dead. Oh, my gosh. And yes. uh, and they also had to have neighbors and like townspeople come and dig to exhume yeah. her. And yeah, none no of them would do it at first. <laughs> I know, right? Like, <laughs> that was um, labor intensive. And it also, because of the slow bureaucracy and the mm. fact, as we've talked about, even in the 60s, they didn't have the fucking internet. Like we talked about with like <laughs> with Judith Neely, like the police cars, like driving to get things that they should have just been able to fax. Right. But, yes. um, you know, there was no internet. So it took forever. It was a month before they actually got the approval to exhume the body. Oh, my God. So they had, you know, they had trout and all these people kind of causing a ruckus about doing it. But they finally said, you are required legally to dig out this body. Yes. So they pulled her up and they had three doctors do an or an autopsy thank god yes on zona heaster shoe the official cause of death here's what it said anoxia from manual strangulation compounded by a broken neck bruising Mm. consistent with finger marks is noted on zona's neck her esophagus is contused and her first and second cervical vertebrae are fractured anatomically they're known as the c1 atlas and the c2 axis which combines to make the first joint at the base of the skull which is exactly what she said to her mother in this visitation her mama has a site i i think she i think her mama has a site um so of course there's an inquest now into into trout and they find that he has more history than they knew about that Mm -hmm. he'd served prison time other places for assaults and robberies um his first wife divorced him on grounds of his great cruelty oh my god the only grounds she divorced him on were that he was cruel turns out his last wife had died from a brick falling on her head (sighs) when he himself was on the roof re-bricking the chimney imagine that um and he's also apparently been making statements around town that no one would ever be able to prove that he killed his wife. Oh, my. Because he's a fucking dumbass. God. Um, so, and he has no alibi. Yeah. So, I mean, he said, oh, I wasn't there when they found the body, but he has no alibi for the time. Right. And um, so they charge him with murder, and his first-degree murder trial begins in Greenbrier Circuit Court in June 1897. Um, so the prosecution questions all the townspeople who notice the weird stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the, the neck and all that kind of stuff that questions stupid Dr. Knapp and the doctors who autopsied her. But John Preston can't find anything really solid that directly like they can sh- prove that someone killed her, but he can't find anything that directly implicates Trout except mm-hmm. for Mary Jane's testimony. Right. And he isn't touching that with a 10 foot pole. Right. And so. The defense gets wind of this testimony mm. easily because before she went to John Preston to tell him about it, she told all her neighbors about these visits because they happen four nights in a row. So she's been telling people about right. it for four days before she even goes to the lawyers. Oh, my God. If this motherfucker goes free, I'm going to be so Oh, you're going to love off. this. You're going to love this. So the defense decides they want to milk this for everything they have because they want to put this woman on the stand and say, you're a crazy bitch. Right. You just you see ghosts. There is nothing legitimate about what you're saying. So they call Mary Jane up and all they want to talk about is the ghost visitation mm-hmm. and um that quote that i read earlier about all the apple butters and stuff that's mm-hmm. directly from her testimony to them on mm-hmm. the stand and there was <laughs> the testimony just cracked me up so the the lawyer goes now mrs heaster the sad affair was particularly impressed upon your mind there was not a moment during your waking hours that you did not dwell upon it and she says no sir and there's not yet either and he says and this was not a dream founded upon your distressed condition of mind No, sir. It was no dream, for I was wide awake as I ever was. Then if not a dream, what do you call it? And she says, I prayed to the Lord that she would come and tell me what happened, and that she herself would come and tell on him. And the lawyer says, now, Mrs. Heaster, 
Don't you know that these visions, as you term them or describe them, were nothing more or less than four dreams founded upon your distress? And she says, no, I don't know it. <laughs> the Lord sent her to me to tell it. And who are you to question the Lord? <laughs> she was like, I was the only friend she knew. I was the nearest one to her. Mm -hmm. And they said, are you positively sure that these are not four dreams? And she said, yes, sir. It was not a dream. I don't dream when I am wide awake. <laughs> and I know I saw her right there with me. This woman like took them to town mm -hmm. on the stand. And she never, ever turned from the veracity of her statement. So they tried to make her say that she was superstitious. She wouldn't say it. They tried to use her religion against her. She wouldn't let them. She countered them every turn, every question that they made. She was like one hard lady, and she was not going to take any of this bullshit. She right. was like, you killed my daughter. You're fucking going down. Right. And, um, and that fucking quack of a doctor missed it the right? first time. I know. And um, it was really the ghost that ended up providing the only implication of guilt against Trout. Wow. And the trial judge even told jurors before they left to deliberate, he said there was no living witness to the crime charged against defendant Shu, And the state rests its case for conviction wholly upon circumstances connecting the accused with the murder charge. So he's saying it's all circumstantial evidence. So the connection of the accused with the crime depends entirely upon the strength of circumstantial evidence. There is no middle ground for you, the jury, to take. The verdict inevitably and logically must be for murder in the first degree or for an acquittal. He's like, you have to. And he was basically saying, like, you guys, you've got nothing. Right. Like, you cannot charge. You, you can't convict him. Right. An hour and 10 minutes, 12 juries came back and said, guilty. <laughs> she was guilty of murdering his wife. And, um... It is the only case when a ghost actually convicted her own murderer wow. in the history of the United States. So you can't find the house or anything where they lived um, anymore. All that stuff is gone. But there's a marker near the intersection of Highways 60 and 64, just west of Lewis Lewisburg, West Virginia. And it reads, interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Her husband, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. Only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. Wow. That is amazing. So that's that's the story of Zona Heaster Shoe and her awesome, badass mother, Oh my Mary God. Jane. Kick ass mama. <laughs> mama bear. Yeah. Like, don't take bullshit from any of that them, That is man. the way to do it. I was impressed. Oh <laughs> that was the best. You know, my mom's that reminded me, even though she said she came to her like not in a dream. It's like after my mom's best friend died of breast cancer, uh, my mom dreamed that she received a phone call and she picked it. The phone rang. She picked it up and it was her friend Julie calling and she got mad. She, she got like really mad at Julie because she thought somebody was pranking her oh. and was pretending to be Julie and she hung up on her and to this day, she's still upset that she hung up on her in her dream because oh, no. she thought she seriously thinks that it was Julie trying to contact her and say, like, you know, everything's OK. Oh, so that's kind of like when you said that, I totally remembered that, you know, that my mom's dream right after my, her friend died. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, no, I'm sure she still thinks it's OK, though. I'm um, sure. That yes, I'm sure she's fine. Okay. Yeah. That was amazing. Good stories. And yeah. here we were thinking like, oh, we're saving everything good for the live show. We're going to fuck it up today. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to fuck it up then. So, <laughs> so come watch us Enjoy. Fuck it up. Come watch. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. And hopefully we'll see you at the live show. Yep. See you there. Bye. Be yeah. sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thestrangesouthpodcast.com or on our website, thestrangesouth.com.
Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 